Welcome to Lighthouse Live, the radio voice of advancing vibrant communities. Our mission is to motivate believers to move out from the four walls of the church to personally serve the needs of their neighborhoods. Get ready for a no-holds-barred, honest look at the Christian lifestyle the way Christ commanded it to be. All that and more coming right up here on Lighthouse Live. And good evening to you wherever you may be around the world. Welcome to Lighthouse Live on the Lighthouse Live International Podcasting Network. Pastor Mike Douglas with you here for a very special podcast as we talk about an incredible event coming up in uh, just a couple of weeks. It's called Leader Cast, the Brave Ones, coming up on May 8th. 2015 at uh, Shelter Cove Community Church in Modesto. It's a simulcast. We're going to be telling you about the amazing speakers, people like Rudy Giuliani and Peyton Manning and others. And we're also going to review some clips from last year from people like uh, Andy Stanley and uh, the great Dr. Uh, Desmond Tutu. Absolutely incredible clips. If nothing else, when you hear those, you want to come back this year. Just an incredible event. And we're going to get right to it. Our special guest tonight is uh, really legendary in, in our area. He's a businessman, an entrepreneur, and uh, someone really who has inspired many uh, to start their own businesses. Dan Costa with us, and Dan will actually be joining us uh, at LeaderCast during the uh, the lunch hour. We'll have a Question and answer time, Dan, where uh, folks will be writing their questions down and they really want to tap into some of uh, your experience and your wisdom over the years to talk about the principles of good leadership, effective leadership, and good business as well. Also joining us tonight is uh, really the man where the buck stops for LeaderCast here in the Stanislaus County area. That is Jerry Van Houten. You know, you, you have done such a wonderful job over the past three years of the heavy lifting of all of this and taking that on your shoulders, and we just so much appreciate the risk uh, that, that you take and also the incredible investment of time as well. Appreciate that very much. Thank you, Mike. No easy thing to bring this to a town, absolutely. is it? Yeah, absolutely not. Also with us is uh, J.P. Hurlbert. J.P., uh, another uh, marketplace man here in our area who uh, just does a wonderful job of reaching out into the community. And that's what we're about, advancing vibrant communities, and that's why we're doing this tonight, is talk about principles that will help you benefit your own community wherever you are, and we hope you can join us. Again, that's uh, May 8th coming up. Dan, let's... Um, Let's jump right in. Uh, you know, we, so many people are looking for a silver bullet. You know, the one thing that somebody can tell them that it's going to make everything okay, they'll make their millions, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> you, you have been through it. You have seen ups and downs. You have uh, seen all types of economic uh, eras, and uh, you've seen all types of strategies. Let's just go back a little bit and, and review your history as uh, someone who has an entrepreneurial spirit and someone who's learned a lot about leadership as well. Maybe give us a thumbnail sketch of how you got started as an entrepreneur. Well, sure. Um, you know, it's interesting you talk about, you know, my uh, experience and uh, and what I could uh, say to others that might inspire them as to how you know, I got started, but really, I got started no differently than most of the people that were my mentors. Um, 
it's it's interesting to be here today. I was talking to a young lady who came to the business talk that I had downtown uh, not long ago, and um, you know she came up afterwards and said, "I'd really like to 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 pick your brain and spend some time with you. I just I just have this great idea and I." I just want to pursue this this idea, and so uh, I actually met with her today. She's like 23 years old. She's out of college, and she wants to create a clothing company. Um, you know a little bit about and, that. And uh, yeah. I said, "That's uh, that's all. That sounds real good. You know, I mean, it sounds great." Now, what are you doing? She says, "Well, I'm working at the mall at a clothing store." And I said, "That's great. Well, first, that's a good first step. You know, you're starting in at the bottom, and you're starting to work your way up." and and uh, she said, but I can't really learn much there because it's a chain operation and and they pretty much just tell you exactly what to do and it's a cookie cutter approach. And I said, well, for me, I would look at that as if when I started in food service and I was working at, you know, uh, Burger King, you know, I really can't get creative. It's just, okay, you know, it's here's the menu and here's what you're going to do and it's a process. It's really not uh, a place where I could expand my horizons in the restaurant business. It was just a process. And, and I think that's where you're at. You're at kind of the fast food stage of doing that. You should maybe go to work at an independent clothing store, a boutique, and show them your abilities to merchandise and pick new styles and pick new things to make sales uh, work well in in that store and then learn from that, learn from those successes and failures. And uh, she said, that's a great idea, but, you know, how do I, like, get my own clothing brand? And I said, well, consider yourself, like, you you just went to ROTC training in high school, and you went through the, uh, you know, Air Force ROTC, and you're just wondering now, now, when do I get to go to the moon? You know, when when am I going to be an astronaut? You know, it's like, I mean, just to put it in perspective, I mean, it's just, you know, there's some steps that need to be taken before you do that. Uh, I said, if you're prepared to just like burn a million dollars, and she goes, oh, I, I don't have a million dollars. I said, well, okay, let's start with step one. You know, let's let's start getting the education that you would need in order to do that first step. And that is, you know, get out of working at the fast food place, go to work at a boutique so you can really kind of, you know, understand uh, some different types of marketing within the structure of clothing. And uh, so, you know, I'm trying to hook her up with a friend that's got a store and I hope she can do that. But I think a lot of people don't really realize that it's, you know, as you mentioned, the silver bullet there, there, there's just definitely not a silver bullet, you know, I mean, it's. It's a day-to-day, one step at a time. And as long as you're making that one step every day, you're getting closer. Mm. And it's okay. Feel encouraged about that, about just getting closer to your goals. Um, I started washing dishes and then became a a sandwich uh, maker and a chef and a manager and an owner of a restaurant. And those were the steps. And, And over you know, 10 years, that's what it took uh, to start from the bottom and work my way up. So um, it was a lot of hard work and, and, and a lot of uh, a lot of pains during that time. To, but but I learned something every single day that got me to my end goal. And that was the business that got me started. So if I look at the people who have been successful in that business that I started in, I'd say about 95% of them started the same way. They started as a dishwasher. They 
became a cook and then they became a manager and then they got their own restaurant, you know, whether, you know, whether it's John Serla or, you know, or Gus Gallus that I worked with at the Sundial. I mean, Gus Gallus, who opened the Sundial restaurant and taught me basically everything mm. about preparing food. Uh, Gus started as a dishwasher. He was an immigrant from Greece and came over and worked at a country club in the Chicago area and uh, learned how to cook from the finest cooks and, and picked up their trade and uh, opened his little restaurant, saved his money, and ended up uh, having a legendary restaurant in town. So I think that's the hard thing sometimes for people to understand. Um, and sometimes I think a lot of frustration is that people are waking up to this a little bit late. You know, they're 35 years old and it's like, look, I just really want to go into business for myself. I want to do something. It's like, okay, but you got to remember, you still have to start from the beginning. So, you know, you still got to put in those years of experience and, you know, that step-by-step process. And uh, Dan, if I could chime in, um, I heard a story a long time ago. I think that people might be encouraged by it. And that is what prompted you to go into the sundial that day and ask Gus for a job? Uh, well, that was my actual my third job. Uh, you know, I had started as a as a fourteen year old washing pots and pans, um, and but it wasn't you know because I wanted really a job. I, I wasn't act, I wasn't looking to make some extra money as a kid. I was I was actually looking for food. Um, I went to work in a restaurant because there really wasn't anything to eat at home, and I got paid half in food and half in money at my first uh, day on the job and. And I'll never forget that, you know. And so it was from that point that, uh, you know, there is no further, you know, bottom. You know, it's like, okay, hunger is a pretty interesting thing that you never forget. Uh, and so, um, you know, that was that was the start of it. And then to look at it, you know, it's like, okay, I'm washing pots and pans. And, you know, the guys that are helping the cooks make a little more than the pot and pan washers. So, you know, I think I could peel carrots and do things and I'll do it faster than them. So... You know, just take that next step and the next step and the next step and the next thing you know, I'm a chef. And, you know, then I went to the sundial. I Actually, it was a funny story. I went to the sundial. I was a I was already a cook. I mean, I was, you know, a pretty good cook. I was about 17 years old and I went to apply at the sundial. And uh, they, uh, they had me dishing up vegetables the first night. So I showed up. It was a Tuesday night and said, okay, your first shift, uh, you're going to dish up the vegetables for every entree that goes out. And if you remember the old sundial... The vegetable plate for each entree was four fresh vegetables. It, it was like an entree itself. You know, it was like a whole vegetable plate full of every person got four fresh vegetables. Mm-hmm. And like broccoli, carrots, rutabagas, asparagus, you know, four fresh vegetables. And so I was going to dish up the vegetables. And for me, that was like, are you kidding me? That's the job you give my, I'm a chef, you know, I, I can't come here and dish up vegetables. And they said, look, it's okay. Your first night, I think it'd be good just to, you know, let's just do the vegetables. Here's the backup vegetables. When we get busy, you know, keep them full. I mean, yeah, yeah, man, it was about seven o'clock and I was completely in the weeds. Okay. I mean, I, I, could, not, I could not, I had vegetables in my hair. I mean, I was, they were coming out of everywhere. I I could not dish up the vegetables fast enough for this restaurant on a Tuesday night. Okay, this place was incredible. Um, and then a couple of years later, I was uh, I was one of the chefs, and I opened up the restaurant on Wednesdays and brought all the food up and cooked the lunch and, and you know and the and the breakfast and 
learned how to cut meat and everything. So, uh, yeah, it was, uh, I got a little humility there <laughs> than thinking I was a real hot shot little cook and I wasn't even good enough to dish up the vegetables at that place. But that, uh, that just made me even more hungry, you know, to, uh, to learn. But, uh, it's experiences like that, that, uh, you know, you, you have to go through in life to teach you hum- humility. Um, mm. I've, I've, I've tried to maintain that, uh, humility and, we like to use the statement in our company that our image is being humble and hungry. You know, we want to maintain a very humble and hungry attitude. We are very humble and we're hungry. We just want to win. We want to do the best job. We want to, we want to, you know, have a good product, good prices, good deliveries, good, good quality. And uh, we want to treat our people well, our customers and our employees and, and make a company successful. Dan, how do you as, as a leader? How do you instill that into your employees? What what are you looking for, first of all, in terms of employees? And then how do you instill those principles in them on a, on a day-to-day basis? I think that is a real simple uh, situation on, you know, on my part is uh, – and something that I learned early on. Uh, and I'll give you an example of, you know, leading by example – I mean, that is probably the mm-hmm. most important thing for a, a leader to be able to do is to lead by example. Um, Gus Gallus was the first guy to get at the restaurant. Uh, it was 4 o'clock in the morning, and Gus was already there, and things were boiling and stuff was going on when you got there. It didn't matter what time you got there. For some reason, it was already going on, and Gus was in the middle of it. And uh, and then he'd leave about uh, four o'clock in the afternoon, and he was seventy some years old, you know. So uh, his example of hard work and dedication to the process and to the perfection of the products and the customer uh, was very apparent. Um, I left the Sundial and went to work at a restaurant called the Vintage Restaurant downtown Modesto. And the vintage was a steakhouse. It was like an up-and-coming, hip little place. And there was music and a nightclub. And, you know, they had steaks. And, and uh, so they hired me away from the Sundial. I was making $600 a month at the Sundial. Man, I was I was in pretty tall cotton at that time. And so they <laughs> – but they paid me 1000 a month to go to work at the vintage. And it was like almost double pay. So it was like, man, I'm I'm taking it. So I, I went to work at the vintage for a thousand dollars a month and uh it was it was incredible. The place was just a complete disaster. Okay. So <laughs> the, they had uh, they had three owners and uh, one of them would work day shift, uh, come in at ten and leave at about four. One of them would work night shift, come in about five and leave about eleven, and one of them would be off that week. So every third week they had a week off, okay? <laughs> And I wow. don't, th- I don't think Gus took a week off in the three years I worked there. Okay. So, sure. so it was that, that hard work and dedication to the customer. And consequently, the, the place was a disaster. You know, I mean, it, everything was a problem there because they weren't leading by example. Mm. They, they really weren't even working hard at their own business. And, uh, and that's, that's, I would say that was the most vivid example I had of, of leading by example. And, uh, and showing your, your people that whatever it is that needs to be done, you will do it and you will do it twice as hard and twice as much as them if need be. Um, don't ever put yourself above anyone. 
we've, that, that's we've lost that in our culture, haven't we? Uh, that 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 principle of being willing to get your hands dirty to go the extra mile, uh, giving one hundred and ten percent. I think I think we kind of oversold this idea of the fast track to success, and uh, I I don't see that a lot. You know, very sensitive to customer service. As I'm visiting other businesses, I'm going. Man, do you understand the profit motive here? <laughs> you know, how how do you expect people to to flock to your place of business if you're not connecting, yeah. you know, with them? Uh how can we instill that better into our young people coming out of business school, coming out of colleges? Uh are are we really teaching them that lead by example or are we just giving them the principles of of business macro and microeconomics? You know, it's interesting. I I, I didn't get a chance to go, you know, to college and uh, and get a degree in uh, business, but uh, I have met, you know, a, a lot of folks that uh, are business school graduates and you know have their MBAs and uh, very smart individuals, and you know they've 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 worked hard to get that degree, but I really think that there is an additional piece that should be tacked onto that that degree. I do not think you should get your diploma as an MBA until you have either spent your own money or borrowed the money to go into some kind of business. Mm. Even if you fail at that business, you've got to operate that business for one year, win or lose, profit or no profit. Even if you went bankrupt, you're still going to learn so many valuable lessons by having that business. It could be a taco truck. It doesn't matter. But just get to the point where you're actually paying rent, you're paying payroll, you're paying the the repair bill on something, you're paying someone to clean the windows versus cleaning them yourself after work, and uh, and it's your money. You know, it's not someone else's money. Mm-hmm. A lot of times we work with these uh, folks that are investors, and they're they're very sharp people, they're brilliant people, but they they just have a certain lack of. Uh, understanding about the the basics of one one business just really like they don't have that feeling of that it's their money it's because it isn't their money it's someone else's they're money. leveraging other people's um, money. and and I think that's that I think that should be a prerequisite for an MBA you should have to go into a business it could be a Kool-Aid stand. It doesn't matter. <laughs> just something. How about a lemonade stand? Anything. As long as you just have to spend your money to go into that business and and fail or succeed, you will learn so many valuable lessons that you would become an excellent business person after that time. You bring up a great point about failure. Great stuff can be learned from failing, right? That's, that's a, some really good lessons. Uh, can be learned by failing, uh, and and probably my most vivid lessons uh, have been made through failure. I'll never forget when I bought the Velvet Ice Cream Company. Uh, I was 25 years old. I bought Velvet Ice Cream. It was 1980, and uh, I'm going to just expand Velvet Ice Cream, you know, all over the state. And uh, what I didn't realize is that the plant that I bought was an was a uh, museum, not an, an ice cream <laughs> plant. <It> was, <laughs> uh, in order to upgrade that facility and bring it up to what it would take to really make that much product, it would cost about a million dollars. 
and we bought the plant for like thirty thousand down and took a note, you know. So we 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 actually, you know, didn't really realize it, but we we bought a business that was gone. It was it was a losing proposition, and you know we spun that business into using the same equipment that was making the ice cream to make food products. So we expanded into the food products business, and that's how we ended up building our business and and uh, the supermarkets and selling it to Tyson Foods. It was defense. It, that wasn't the goal in the beginning. It was just that we had a plant, you know, with kettles and, and chilling and, and you know, sloped floors and, and stuff. And so we, we had to figure out how to do something besides make ice cream because we couldn't make enough money making ice cream. And so we turned it into a food plant. But that was a valuable, valuable lesson. It's, necessity is the mother of invention, right? Absolutely. <laughs> Speaking of necessity, I remember a story you shared once uh, about trying to get the lowest first dollar cost for your soups at the Velvet Creamery. Um, how And you were looking for buying more and more product. And how are you going to store that product? And how did you solve that problem? Well, we had a... Uh uh, a situation where we were actually uh, expanding our business and uh, you can take first cost back so far and as long as you take it back as far as you can then then you feel good about it but let's just say for instance uh, we had a, a commodity uh, product cream and so we could either buy cream in a in a, ga- a half a gallon uh, carton or we could buy it in a five gallon bag and box or we could buy it in a tote that came in from the dairy, and the next size is a truckload. Okay, <laughs> after that you'd have to start milking cows. You know, so <laughs> so if we could go back to that truckload, the price was so different. It was like a sixty percent difference in cost if we could just get a truckload of cream, and uh, but we couldn't get a truckload of cream because it was just way too much cream. And so I was talking to the guy that ran the co-op in Los Banos and said, well, if you could get a tanker, you know, you could really cut your costs. And I said, man, it's a lot of cream. And I said, I, I can't do that, but uh, we'll just keep growing and see if we can pull it off. And so then he was telling me a story about that they send about 20, 30 tankers a week of cream to Wisconsin um, because we have an excess supply of dairy here. And Wisconsin's using it to make Wisconsin cheese, and he was laughing about that. (laughs) Making Wisconsin cheese, and he was laughing about that. And I'm so the next day I thought about it. I said, you know, I called him up. I said, how do you get that cream from here to there? And he said, well, we we truck it, you know, from here to there. I said, but those trucks aren't refrigerated. And he said, no, you know, you put that much cream in a tanker, and you know, 38 degrees by the time it gets there, it might be 45. It's not going to get hot. Uh, but then they repasteurize it to make the cream, uh, to make the cheese. And I said, well, what if we parked the truck outside and we just took like four days to cook it all up because we've got enough shelf life on our sauce, but uh, but we can't cook it like in a day. It would take us like four days or so to cook it. He says, yeah, that would work. So we actually went right back to Safeway with uh, with new prices and uh, and got their business nationally because of that cream deal. Uh, it saved us, you know, and that that put us on the map. You know, we picked up fifteen hundred stores nationally with their private labels. So that was a big, that was a big, the turning point in the game. Just that one thing was the turning point in that whole business. I'm picking up two streams here that that sound very important. 
One is being optimistic and looking for the upside, looking for a way to problem solve. And the other is the value of relationships. You know, you you were talking to this, you established a relationship with him. You started to talk and, and through that came a, um, uh, came a solution here. Talk about the importance in business of relationships. (laughs) This is a funny segue because the whole Safeway thing. Um, so our buyer there was a lady named Nancy Coda, uh, she happens to still be at Safeway. So um, I worked with her in the mid-90s and sold the Safeway Select program, you know, all over the country, made all their pasta and sauce. And so we were thinking uh, just a year or so ago that we were going to do another food product and put it in the supermarkets. And I thought, I wonder if Nancy Coda is still around. You know, I'm going to call her and, and get her advice on this. We had a great relationship. So I called and She's still there. She's still, you know, head of private label for Safeway stores. So uh, called her up and she said, yeah, come over and see me. I'd love to see you. So we went over and showed her our product and what we were thinking about. She loved the idea. And she said, I understand you're in the clothing business. And I said, yeah, I am. Uh, It's a long, crazy story how I got involved in clothing. But, yeah, I've been in the clothing business for the last, you know, 13 years. And she said, well, you know, my kids are in the clothing business. I said, really? He says, yeah, they have a brand called Skin Graft Designs. It's uh, high fashion leather clothing and stuff that, uh, you know, movie stars are wearing. It's, it's a really a cool brand. And I said, well, let me, let me take a look at it. And I said, you know, I, I've learned a lot about that business and I've learned a lot about the basic fundamentals of first cost when it comes to, you know, making that product at the right price and whatever. She said, man, they could really use some help. I said, well, Nancy, I, I always, you know, thanked you for uh, helping us and trusting us. You know, we were a small company when you, you gave us the Safeway brand nationally, and I'd do anything for your kids I could. So I met with the boys, great kids, really cool company. Uh, this was about a year and a half ago. Uh, in January, uh, they joined our company. We bought their company, and now they're part of our program. <laughs> so we are we are going to be expanding Skin Graph all over the world, and uh, and a great design, and uh, expanding their factory, and and uh, doing things. So relationships. I can't even begin mm-hmm. to talk about what it means to have good relationships because it, it just things happen. You know, I mean, it's. The dock strike is is here, and we can't get product from the port. And the stores are like, "Hey, your delivery was supposed to be here last month, and we're going to cancel your delivery." So I go, "Well, what am I going to do with it after you cancel the delivery?" I can't help it; it's just sitting out there in the water. It's like, "Okay, look, you're good guys. We're not going to cancel your delivery. You know, as soon as it comes, let us know." And you know, you work things out. Uh, but but things come up, and you you always need to be able to talk to that person. And it goes both ways, too. You know, sometimes they need a favor or they need things. So it's a two-way street. But relationships are probably the most valuable asset that a business person could have. I I, I picked up the phone um, a couple months ago, and we wanted to move Noble Outfitters into Europe. I haven't talked to this guy in 12 years. He was our distributor for Royal Robins. Mm-hmm. Called him up on a Sunday night. A week later, he was here and... He's already distributing the product, printing his own catalogs, and he's into, you know, five countries and, and uh, moving down the road. So, you know, it's it's with that trust uh, and that relationship that you have that doesn't 
allow one to say, well, I wonder if this will work. It's like, no, I don't wonder. I've already been there. I trust I trust this process. I trust these guys. This is going to be good. And, and that trust can take some time to build. Right? Takes time, but uh, it's worth a fortune, mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. worth a fortune. Friends, Dan Costa with us here on Lighthouse Live. And just a reminder, Dan will be with us live in person at uh, LeaderCast, The Brave Ones, uh, 2015, coming up on May 8th. And, uh, Jerry, just very quickly, give us a quick overview on how people can get connected with us. By the way, a ridiculous fee uh, for you to get into this. I mean, the, the information you're going to get is is worth thousands, I think, considering, again, Dan Costa uh, will be there, and there's some absolutely incredible people. Seth Godin. Have you ever read his book, Poke, Poke the Box? That, Absolutely amazing. And, and Peyton Mann and Andy Stanley, Bill McDermott, Rudy Giuliani, just some incredible wisdom. And we'll play you some clips from last year in just a couple of minutes. Uh, but Jerry, here's, tell people how they can get connected for this ridiculously low cost to get into, get all this wisdom in one day. Thank you, Mike. And it's real easy to connect. All you need to do is go to leaderstreet.org, leaderstreet.org. And I really appreciate Dan coming on and sharing his stories. And what I got out of that is the mentorships that he had was leaders. These these mentors are leaders. And you can't. There's no silver bullet, but you need to surround yourself with those proven leaders. And that's what LeaderCast is all about. It's a full day of top leadership. This lineup of leaders you will never. Never hear again in in this lineup as far as the leaders that are put together. And Dan's going to be there doing a question and answer for us. And just the ideas that you can get uh, from the leader leadercast event can change your whole world. Just one one intriguing idea could help you move from point A to point B. And as far as value, it's very very affordable. Seventy nine dollars. You get a full day of leadership includes. Uh, continental breakfast and a hot lunch. And uh, what's the cost? $79. Yeah. That, can you believe 79 JP? That's just ridiculous. $79 for the wisdom that you're going to get. And by the way, when, when we first did it and, and uh, just totally privileged to serve as your master of ceremonies locally for that, Jerry, when you first approached me, what was it? Three years ago for the, for the first one, I'm going, what, what do you mean all day? You know, on a Friday, give me a, are you serious? Okay. I'll, I'll do it. Friends, I'm telling you, it goes by just like that. It, it, when we get to the end of the day, you'll be going, it's over already? Are you kidding? Absolutely in, incredible. I'd like to also add that there are student pricing in college for high school students and college students as well, and uh, special rates for groups. So if that price is uh, a little bit uh, or the time commitment is a little too much for you, just go to leaderstreet.org and check it out. Leaderstreet.org? Yes. Leaderstreet.org. And uh, any phone numbers that people can call to get information, uh, Jerry? Yeah, they can call uh, area code 209-502-0429. That's 502-0429. Great. 209 area code. Here's just a a couple of nuggets I got from last year. Andy Stanley uh, said, if your leadership is about you, it will not live beyond you. But if your leadership isn't all about you, it will live beyond you. And then he uh, made another point. He says, 
leaders who fearlessly and selflessly empower leaders around them, as well as those uh, coming along behind them, become very successful. Uh, a couple others here. Archbishop Desmond Tutu. He was a riot. Just all right. Uh, and and one, one of his good uh, nuggets was good leaders listen. And then his last thing <laughs> he left with was, and know when to retire. <laughs> uh, in our business, though, there's no retirement. And then Malcolm Gladwell last year, very, very interesting, talking about being respectful, uh, being fair, being trustworthy, and uh, establishing legitimacy. And I think, Dan, that goes along with what we were talking about, trust, relationships. People look at you over the long haul. If you're walking out the principles that you're espousing, that gives you that street cred, as, as, as we used to say, and uh, and your employees will follow. Again, all of this coming up on May 8th, 2015. It's called LeaderCast. Uh, we'll be uh, uh, tapping into the simulcast there at... Uh, um, the address I don't have at the moment, but it's Shelter Cove Community Church right across from Funworks uh, 40, on Coffee Road. 4040 Coffee Road. 4040 Coffee Road in Modesto. Again, Shelter Cove Community Church will be oh, up. 4242. There's a couple fours in it. Shelter Cove, right across from Funworks. Use Funworks as your, uh, as your navigational, uh, place there and it's right across the street. Uh, again, it's a simulcast. Beautifully done. The production is just absolutely exquisite. Top notch. And I guarantee you that, uh, you'll come away with nuggets that, that you can use in, in your own businesses, your nonprofit, whatever, uh, whatever you might be doing. Just talking, uh, with Dan here tonight. And again, he'll, he'll be doing a Q&A with us. Uh, he's talking about leading by example, then a practical application of what you learn, learning from failure, having flexibility and, and optimism, seeing that glass half full, willing to be able to overcome challenges instead of just letting them defeat you. And then lastly, we, uh, last of all, we were talking about the value of relationships and, and building trust. So a tremendous wisdom waiting for you again. That's coming up on May 8th. And I uh, hope that uh, that you can join us. Dan, uh, before I, I know you got to board an airplane in the morning and, and cross the ocean and all sorts of things. So I, I know that you have things that you need to do tonight. Any last uh, words of, of wisdom for us in terms of just – I went to um, a, a meeting sponsored by the United Way uh, about a week and a half ago. And uh, they were doing a study from the American Human Development Index – Talking about California, they were looking at, at three indicators of, of human development, health index, education index, and income index. No surprising uh, to anyone that Stanislaus County was, was kind of on the lower end uh, behind a lot of California on that. Um, in fact, they said our area here is in an area that we would define in California as being struggling California. And uh, the economy may be growing in California, but medium household income is kind of flat. Opportunities here not so good. A lot of a lot of young people that are going to college, getting degrees, leave and 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 don't come back. And you know, again, it's it's painting Modesto with a bad rap. And yet, great opportunities here. There are collaborations in this town that don't happen in many other places. And so, I think the tremendous opportunities with all that negative stuff, Dan. What can we do to, to motivate people, give them some encouragement to take the risk to go out there and be willing to fail in order to get where they want to go? 
Well, I think there's actually more opportunity here than, than ever before. Um, it's, uh, and I say that uh, mainly because of what you were talking about earlier. We've lost a little bit of that edge of hard work. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've lost that, that hard work ethic. And um, if you can put that into your repertoire of what you do and how you sacrifice for the job, for your employer, uh, you will not be looking for work. You'll not be looking for advancement. You'll not be looking for more hours or more money. It'll come to you. Just just put out. Just work harder than the guy next to you. Uh, get there before. Stay after. Work harder. Think harder. And just, just get the job done. I think that... Uh, it, it is a it is a different environment today than it was uh, 25, 30 years ago and even more. And it's a different environment than it was 10 years ago. I think there is more opportunity today than ever before for someone who just wants to put their nose to the grindstone and get the job done. That's, that's without a doubt the best wisdom I could give anybody that's just looking to get involved in something and and do well at it. A lot of sweat equity that's uh, that's involved there. May Speak, not. Uh, speaking of sweat equity, Michael, uh, Dan, what do you think about profit sharing, and what do you think about phantom stock? Well, I, lo- I, <laughs> <laughs> I love I love uh, I love phantom stock. I, I and phantom stock, just so people understand what it means, is basically everyone in our companies is a shareholder. I mean, our janitor is a shareholder, um, and and he treats the business as if it's his, and we need that. We need everybody on board. When we win, we want everybody to win together. Um, phantom stock basically means that you've gotten a piece of paper that says you have X amount of shares. If you stay here till the time the company is sold, those shares will turn into real hard shares, and you'll be paid for them. If you leave before, either you get uh, fired or you leave on your own, they go up in smoke. So you have to stay in for the long haul, and you have to make it work with everybody on the team. But if you do, then you're going to cash in just like everybody else. And uh, that's been a a fun project for us um, over the years to have everybody as a shareholder. Um, it, It just creates kind of a whole different thought process of, of how you treat your 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 business when all of the employees are thinking about every penny and taking care of the business as if it was their own. Brings up a point. Uh, you mentioned someone either getting fired or, or, or leaving on their own. What are some principles you've learned about ending well? Ending an employment well? Um well, I think that you you have to look at the the big picture. I mean, there's a lot of different things that come up with a person sometimes in their lives. Sometimes things change. Uh, you know, you could have uh, an employee that is a, a wonderful, hardworking, dedicated you know a manager, but that person now uh, has three children and you know and and needs to do a lot of things at home and uh, and wants to spend more time at home. So you do whatever you can to accommodate all of those things for for everybody the best way you can to make that work within the system. We've actually had people 
leave, you know, have children and come back and, and, and work. Uh, we've been at it for so long now that we've, we've got, uh, we've got people coming back after their children. So, um, um, it's, it, you know, it's always, I think that the goal to look at the big picture and make sure you remember what is it that those people have always done and what did they do? You know, that's still something that's uh, that's valuable to the company, not just uh, what you're going to do tomorrow, but what did you do yesterday? And on the employee end, probably pays not to burn your bridges either, right? Yeah, you never you never want to do that. That's, uh, <laughs> that doesn't, it's a small it's a small world out there, you know. Have Absolutely. you gotten to the point where you're into the second generation of a family? Absolutely. Or- Absolutely, yeah. That's fun. That's real fun. Again, friends, we've been talking with uh, Dan Costa. He'll be joining us in person at uh, LeaderCast 2015, The Brave Ones, coming up on May 8th, 2015. And uh, if you're uh, if you're interested, we encourage you to go to the website or uh, call the phone number that we gave you earlier. It's area code 209-502-0429. That's 209 502 And once again, the uh, website that people can log into to get tickets and find out more information, Jerry. That's leaderstreet.org, dot O-R-G, leaderstreet.org. And if I could just comment here on what Dan was saying as far as investing, if you're not willing to invest in yourself, who do you think is going to be willing to invest in you? And that's what I got out of this. Dan invested a lot of time in learning from his mentors, from learning from other leaders, to get, and he put in the sweat equity. He invested in himself, and he invested in good leadership, and that's what LeaderCast is all about. So for a small investment of just $79, you're going to get more value than you can can ever believe. So Again, some of the names that will be uh, joining us on the simulcast, Andy Stanley, Peyton Manning, uh, Seth Godin, uh, again, that, the book, I've got it right here, Poke the Box. It's just incredible, you know, in terms of, hey, be willing to risk. Get out there and poke around a little bit. And, and if you fail, hey, learn from it and keep going. Again, Rudy Giuliani uh, joining us as well, Bill McDermott. Uh, all of that coming up on May 8th. want to play a couple of uh, sound bites from last year's uh, leader cast in, in 2014. I think you enjoy these, and uh, we'll be back uh, just on the other side of this. The value of a life, the value of your leadership, the value of your leadership will ultimately be measured in terms of how much of it you leverage for the sake of other people. When it dawns on you that you're the most powerful person in the room, the beyond you leader stops and asks the question, okay, but how can I leverage my power for the sake of the other people in the room? We made a pact that we were going to use this platform wisely, not necessarily uh, rating blockbusters, but we said we're going to help inspire and make a difference in the world. Sometimes the question is daunting and can be really overwhelming. But so often these opportunities are right in front of us. All we have to do is open up our eyes and hearts to those moments that can change our lives in the lives of others. There are 6,000 of us crammed into this room here in Atlanta, but if you don't know, that's only like 
three to five percent of our entire audience today. So the rest of you watching are across one of our 750 host sites around the world. Uh, we're in small towns like Oshkosh, Wisconsin. We're in 35 different countries, Kuwait, Jamaica, Thailand, Germany. There's some people at Apple, Burberry, Merrill Lynch, Motorola. You as a leader, you leave a wake behind you in every interaction, in every day, in every project, in every strategy, in every season that you lead. I have the principles and the, the ideals that you want to live up to and that you uh, believe are important. And then try not to veer from those and not do things just for popularity. That popularity is fleeting, but um, it's really important to do what you think is right in every case if you can. And that that's also helpful for the people that you're leading. Trip Crosby has joined the meeting. It is time for each of us to stand up, allow our influence to shine bright and to show the world that we are committed to building a better future for the generations to come. How you treat others is a measure of you as a human being. <laughs> And St. Peter takes out his cell phone and, and, and does a selfie. <laughs> Imagine a world in which all leaders took decisions not on the basis of strategic, economic or political considerations only, but with a pure motive of doing what was right and what would improve the lives of all especially the most vulnerable. When we look at people who disobey their leaders, first question we ought to ask is not what's wrong with those people, but what's wrong with their leaders. It says that responsibility begins at the top. Standing here at the risk of my life is more important than what happens to my little life. Be strong resilient, have an audacious, bold dream for who you are and what you mean to this world. And don't let anybody take that away from you. When danger threatens, it's the leader's instinct to cover their people. It's the leader's instinct to sacrifice themselves their people may gain. A leader would never sacrifice their people to save the numbers. A leader would sacrifice the numbers to save the people. Again, friends, a couple of sound bites from LeaderCast 2014. Uh, Dan, uh, just a, a note there on one of the last clips about the importance of being willing to sacrifice as a leader. Let's talk about that a little bit. Uh, just, and I think that fits so well into what you were talking about in terms of being a genuine, uh, authentic, and lead by example leader. Got to sacrifice, right? Well, and, you know, it's interesting. We talked about a person that is trying to move up. Um, 
I'd like to say something about someone who is in business. You are in business. You have a business. Um, and sometimes after folks cross that bridge and they have reached a point where they can go into business and they're in business, they seem to lose the direction of what that means as well. Uh, for me, I have never looked at a business uh, that I owned as if I owned it. I've always looked at that business as if I worked there. Mm. My my responsibility to the business is my job. I'm the CEO. What's my job? My job is to lead, lead by example, keep that train running, keep it on the tracks. I don't have a – I told my people in our company the other day in a company address that I really don't have a function here. Um, because if I had to actually do one of the jobs here, graphic arts, accounting, um, design, development, uh, e-commerce, I, I couldn't do any of those jobs. So if I had to go get a job and actually go find a job that I had to get and get someone to pay me for my work, I'd have to go and apply at a restaurant somewhere and become a cook. That's all I really know as a vocation. But as a business person, my job is to keep everybody working in harmony, understand all the different things that are going on in the business, direct that business, but also lead by example in that company. Um, there are companies that we have been involved with uh, that have had uh, issues with their business and it it usually uh, you could follow that trail of issue all the way to the top and uh, I'll never forget there was a business that we were involved in and the the owner of that business um, skied 42 times the year that we were involved with the business um, and and then that was in the winter, you know, and then in the summer, a uh, person probably kayaked about 40 <laughs> or 50 days. So if you think about it, you know, out of the 200 and some work days, it was gone for 100 and some of those days. So it's impossible to call yourself the CEO and not be at the business and not direct the business. And the business consequently had issues because of that. Now, mm. You can own the business, but hire a CEO. Hire someone that's going to be there and lead the people, but don't pretend to do it. Because actually the business doesn't deserve that. Mm. The business is its own entity. So you're actually stealing from the company if you call yourself the CEO, but you don't show up. Because the janitor can't call himself the janitor and not show up. It's not fair to the business. Why is it fair for you not to show up? And you wouldn't like it if the janitor didn't show up. Why is it okay? It's not okay. The business is actually going to suffer more if you don't show up than it is if the janitor doesn't show up. But if the poor guy doesn't show up to clean the floors, everybody's mad. So you got to keep it in perspective that being in business doesn't mean you're on easy street. That means the work really gets started and you really have to commit and overcommit uh, to yourself, the business, and your employees. I think that's a big one that sometimes I see out there in business, and uh, and it's a, a sure uh, a sure failure process if you consider the business owes you, and you're going to take advantage of the business in any way. 
you cannot take advantage of the business. Wow, great nuggets right there. And uh, again, Dan Costa will be joining us uh, in person, live at LeaderCast 2015, coming up on May 8th. Uh, we just got a few minutes left. Uh, JP Hurlbert, Jerry Van Houten. Uh, JP, any, uh, any last thoughts? Uh, you, you've been involved uh, with us for the past couple of years. You've seen the value of this. Uh, any last thoughts from you about encouragement to come and things that you've uh, gotten, nuggets that you've benefited from in past years? One thing I do know that there's going to be a lot of energy in that room on that day. There's going to be a lot of leaders, uh, a lot of entrepreneurs, a lot of visionaries a lot of opportunities for connections uh, that will be made. If, and if you're not there, you won't be able to make them. Yeah, it, it is incredible energy. And, and really, the nuggets that you'll get from the simulcast are only the beginning. Uh, a lot of the benefit is that personal interaction, as we were talking about earlier, Dan, the building of relationships, the establishment of the beginnings of trust that uh, really can, can leverage in, in, in a later date. And again, we're not talking about manipulating relationships for only your benefit. We're talking about a, you know, a mutual respect, a, a mutual trust that needs to be built. Jerry, let's, uh, let's review how people can get connected, get their tickets, and join us on May 8th. Yes, thanks, Mike. Uh, you could get your tickets at leaderstreet.org. That's leaderstreet.org. And, you know, one thing about LeaderCast, the networking part, you're surrounding yourself with great leaders. You make those relationships. You meet people that you probably aren't going to meet in your everyday to day life, but you're meeting other people that have the same goals and ambitions. They may not want a silver bullet, but they're looking for good leaders and to connect with. And, the the synergy of energy at this event is just incredible and i've i've taken advice from other leaders i've met just like michael douglas who's a leader here in the community as well and i ask about well why do certain leaders seem to succeed and do well and his nugget of information was well they surround themselves with good leaders yeah. and i've never forgotten that mm. and i want to be around good leaders like mm. dan costa jp and and mike and I want to meet other leaders, and this is a great place to meet those leaders. And you could uh, get your ticket, invest in yourself. It's a little $79 for a full day of, of leadership and networking at leaderstreet.org, or you can give us a call at area code 209-502-0429. Again, uh, J.P. Hurlbert, thank you so much for joining us. Jerry Van Houten, again, thanks for doing the heavy lifting uh, to bring this back to Modesto again, my friend. We, we appreciate that so much because I know you have sacrificed much to do this. Time with your family, time off of work. I mean, uh, it is just a tremendous undertaking. We thank you for that. Dan Costa, thank you so much for taking your time, which is really valuable, to be here with us and also be with us on May 8th. Again, friends, it's the May 8th LeaderCast. I encourage you to be part of it. And while you're at it, uh, remember Advancing Vibrant Communities. Take a look at our website, www.vibrantcommunities.org, vibrantcommunities.org, anywhere between 250 to 400 opportunities to serve up on our website every day. Thanks for joining us here on Lighthouse Live and the Lighthouse Live International Podcasting Network. Pastor Mike Douglas here. Again, thank you, and we look forward to seeing you on May 8th.